It's Talking Football with Vince Tracy and Rob Daniels. A very good day, everybody, and welcome to the podcast. Uh, Today is the 18th of May, and it's a glorious day. It is absolutely lovely. The sun is beating down. In fact, really, if I'm honest, it's just a bit too hot. And um, anyway, we'll get into the car and go down for about an hour and a half. And uh, we'll meet Rob Daniels down in Playa San Juan. So uh, how are you today? And uh, what is your weather like? My assumption is it's like here, roasting hot. Yeah, good morning, Vince. Good morning, everybody. Um, I'm fine, thanks. But yes, you're right, Vince. It's getting to that time of year now, isn't it, when um, it's hot every day. And it's especially, I would say, sort of late morning towards midday, early afternoon, that's when it gets really, really hot. And I haven't been out yet today, but it is bright sunshine. Everybody that I've seen walking past is wearing um, short sleeve shirts and um, shorts and things. But yeah, we're getting to that time of year when it gets really hot. Yeah. Well, today, of course, we have the um, the news, of course, that everything goes to the last game of the season in the Premier League uh, because Liverpool rotated the squad, squad last night and Klopp, um, you know, funny enough, I got the prediction of the squad absolutely right for the team selection against Southampton. Uh, it's pretty obvious that if you've played in the heat and you've played extra time and everything else. And then that was, you know, a couple of days later, you're expected to go and play again. And then again, uh, the, the last game of the season, um, he had to do something rather extraordinary. And he, he did play some of the people that obviously he see his style seems to be to bring people in, give them a taste let them play, let them see how they do, then go away and lick your wounds and improve your technique and come back at a time which is right for you. But uh, with so many changes, and Southampton, by the way, beat us at that fixture last week, uh, sorry, last year. So, um, yes, it was a little bit of a gamble, but at the same time, he does seem to know what he's doing. So it goes to the last game of the uh, Premier League, you really couldn't write the script, could you? Because um, Manchester City, who everybody knows really uh, play the most beautiful football, uh, have to go to Steven Gerrard's Aston Villa. Steven Gerrard played for Liverpool for so long, hasn't uh, won the Premier League or hadn't won the Premier League with Liverpool, but might have a hand if maybe... Aston Villa could maybe get a draw. Um, I don't think anybody's expecting Man City to lose or even draw, but that's the scenario. And uh, as I say, you couldn't really write the script, could you? No, no, it's gone uh, right to the wire at both ends, hasn't it, as well? Um, The top of the table and the bottom of the table, there's still uh, one with relegation positions up for grabs. And as we'll probably speak about later on, my team is right in the mix for it. But yeah, Man Man City against Villa, I was reading about something about that last night, actually. And, yeah, Steven Gerrard isn't going to give uh, Man City an easy game. But Aston Villa, if Man City win the league, Aston Villa, as part of their deal with Jack Grealish um, going to Liverpool, uh, going to Man City um, this season, is that Aston Villa will actually get a £15 million bonus if Man City win the, uh, win the Premiership with or Premier League with uh, Jack Grealish in. But I don't think Steven Gerrard's going to um, give anything away whatsoever. I think, if possible, he'd like to give the title to Liverpool. So they should be good matches, both of them, actually. I think so. But both, I... both need to win, don't they? They both need to win. I could imagine uh, maybe a boardroom meeting and the financial guys turning up and telling Steven Gerrard, I don't care what your uh, emotions might be, uh, this club will lose £15 million if we don't win. Uh, sorry, if we win this game. Uh, it, it is really, that's the way the current world operates. And sadly, we saw enough of that when we review the Premier League. We'll talk about things like dodgy VAR decisions. But let's go first to some of the uh, newspaper. It's gossip. I mean, let's be honest about it. It's hot gossip. Um, I was reading yesterday that Gareth Bale could go to Cardiff City 
Yes, he could even turn up at the local recreation field with his boots on the back of his neck with the money he's got. Um, so uh, to tell us that it, it will be Gareth choosing where he wants to go, yes. But there is another point to this, and you're going to tell us about the Spanish way that they view Gareth Bale. And uh, maybe we'll talk about one or two other players as well in this particular merry-go-round of gossip. So um, what does the Spanish or what do the Spanish papers make of Gareth Bale possibly going back to Cardiff? Well, he's also rumoured that he could be going to Spurs and various other clubs as well, isn't it, Vince? I mean, he's, but he's definitely going to leave Real Madrid, there's no doubt about that. And they'll be they'll be very pleased to get rid of him um, because they spent £85 million on him, which he was the most, ex-player, I think, most expensive player in the world at that time. And he started off playing well for them. He's played uh, 258 times for Real Madrid. And he's contributed directly towards 173 goals. But over the last seasons we've spoken about, or the last couple of seasons, as we've spoken about at length, he's basically just given up um, any interest in playing for Real Madrid. And he's quite happy to just sit there on the bench um, with, a, with a mask over his eyes when we had to wear masks. He wasn't even watching the match. Sometimes he doesn't even turn up. Um, and the Spanish press, not just the Madrid um, press, the Spanish press in general, and the sort of media, um, online Spanish press, they, um, Gareth Bale is going to go out of Spain with his tail between his legs, um, to put it lightly, shall we say, um, because he's been taking such a large amount of money in wages um, for doing nothing, or virtually nothing, over the last few years. And he's basically been very insulting towards Real Madrid with that flag that he uh, held up after a Wales match, which said uh, Wales, golf, and then Real Madrid or something like that, (laughs) which um, even Real Madrid, uh, non-Real Madrid supporters were offended by that. Um, I don't think the Barcelona supporters were particularly, but other other Spanish people in general who were into football just thought that was really out of order. Mm. And because he's on the verge of going and he's going to go out of the back door, um, they've been pillaring him, really. He's been accused, um, not directly, but they're sort of implying that um, he's basically been defrauding Real Madrid for the last few seasons by taking his wages under false pretenses. And they have been really laying into him, um, not not on a personal level, not about his man bun and things like that, but about his behaviour and about the fact that he just hasn't been pulling his weight and he's been taking all these wages every single week um, for basically turning up at training a couple of times so he can go and play golf. And it's, it's, he's very, very unpopular. He's, he's not going to um, leave Spain with a good reputation, let's put it that way, which is a shame, really, because when he first moved over, um, he did play really, really well. And it's just a pity that the last couple of seasons he's basically just seemed to have given up. Yeah. Okay. well, let's go to, um, um, well, is it Miami? Is it off to Florida? Is it something to do with David Beckham? Uh, It's getting messy again. So it's that time of the year when we all talk um, in riddles about what could happen, what might not happen. Um, But what are the Spanish papers talking about when it comes to Lionel Messi and his future? Well, it looks like he's very likely to leave Paris Saint-Germain, Vince. He's only played there for one season, but he hasn't fitted in. Um, he seemed to to start off with because there's a lot of other Argentinian players there. And he sort of um, used to hang out with them and, and things like that and in their social time. And also on the pitch, he used to work together. But he, he hasn't enjoyed his season and they don't particularly like him either. Um, because he is quite problematic in the dressing room and because he's Lionel Messi, similar to Cristiano Ronaldo, he's got such a big reputation that he can he thinks he can throw his weight about. So it looks like um, he is going to leave. Where he's going to go to, we don't really know. Um, again, he has a contract. I think Messi has a contract until um, June 2023. So he's not going to be out of contract when he, if he does go. So they're going to have to find somebody to, to buy him. And it's whether or not they can find a team that is prepared to take him on um, and pay the kind of fee that Paris Saint-Germain are going to want for him and pay the kind of wages that Messi's going to want for himself. Um, but he isn't happy there and it does look like he's going to go. Yeah. OK, now then, Mbappe was another big name who was uh, possibly going to be linked with uh, Real Madrid. Looks like that's the one that's going to happen. Uh, he did apparently contact Liverpool and thank them for their interest. But um, uh, what seems to be his uh, future? Well, it, 
um, it definitely looks like it's going to be Real Madrid, Vince. Um, and he did he did contact Liverpool actually, and because um, Liverpool were interested, and he, he thanked them for their interest. But um, he's made his mind up, and his agents have made their mind up that um, he's probably going to go to Real Madrid. And I think, as far as I'm aware, um, he could sign within the next couple of days after after the final Liga match on on Sunday. Um, he does have a contract that runs out on the 30th of June, but you can sign. Um, contracts earlier than the run-out date of your contract, and it's very likely that they'll be signing um, very early next week. So probably next week, um, we, well, possibly next week, we'll have confirmation that he's actually going to play for Madrid next season. OK, now we're going to be probably talking uh, about these type of issues very much so over the coming weeks because as the games diminish and we get ready for the World Cup and all the new season and all that sort of stuff, uh, we will probably be including gossip in the papers as maybe a topic. But um, this is something which did happen uh, because um, we had the FA Cup final and at the FA Cup final. Um, I'm reading, were you surprised, shocked, disappointed? If you were, this was the booing for Prince William. Um, some fans of the royal family have since expressed their disapproval on social media, including politicians, conservative MP and former culture secretary Karen Bradley, for example, described the situation as unacceptable, disgraceful. I would urge the Football Association to take all the necessary action and pursue those responsible. Um, common speaker, remembering that he presides over a house of A, imbeciles, and B, rude imbeciles who shout at each other when they're supposed to be making the law. Uh, he said, I would urge the Football Association to take all the necessary action and pursue those responsible. Um, y you know, uh, it gets a bit silly. The FA Cup final should be an occasion when we come together as a country. It should not be ruined by a minority of fans' totally shameful behaviour in this year of all years. The Queen's platinum jubilee. This is dreadful. The Lib Dem leader, Ed Davey, chimed in, saying, Fans who boo do not present, represent their clubs or our country. What an idiot. He doesn't understand what booing's all about. And I will read on just a little bit. Um, but before you jump on the don't boo bandwagon, uh, know this first. Booing is a tradition. It's not the first time Liverpool supporters have done this. And it's not specif specific to Prince William. It's actually been going on since the 1980s. And it stemmed from opposition to the Tory government who were in power at the time. It should be no surprise that fans of the city that suffered through Hillsborough, the city that refuses to buy and sell the sun as a result of that city, uh, voting to remain in 2016, the city that suffered terribly under Margaret Thatcher, um, the city that symbolises standing up to the establishment, chose to boo uh, the incumbent royal family, and it is not personal to Prince William. OK, uh, first of all, were you aware of all this? If you were, how did you react? If you weren't, what, what do you think now? I was sort I was sort of aware of it, um, but I didn't. I wish I didn't take that much notice when it was actually happening because I was more interested in um, the sort of run up to the match and everything like that. But yes, um, Prince William is the president of the Football Association, isn't he? And therefore, he um, had to come out onto the pitch before the match, and a, a section of the uh, crowd. I, I'm not sure if there were any others um, involved, but definitely Liverpool supporters um, were booing him. And then when the national anthem came on, they booed that as well. And as you say, but booing, as far as I'm aware, it's not illegal, is it? You you can go to a football match as long as you know, as long as it's not particularly racial directed or something like that. If you're just booing because you don't like uh, the royal family, are we not allowed not to like the royal family these days? Well, you see, um, this this is part and parcel of it. I mean, uh, I'm reading on from this particular uh, article. We must also note the absurdity of condem condemning the booing of Prince William as somehow worse than the racist chants and boos of some football fans during the Euros last year. Then we heard the Home Secretary, Priti Patel, defending the right of fans to jeer the England team 
for the gesture politics of taking the knee in support of Black Lives Matter. That's a choice for them, quite frankly, they said at the time. Not to mentioning the eye-watering irony embedded in the fact that Tory MPs and their supporters, who regularly decry woke cancel culture, are infuriated by spontaneous booing. You see, there is more to this, and it was maybe unpleasant. I'm not the biggest fan of booing at the cup final, because I love the cup final, but I understand completely where some people are coming from. You know, uh, don't forget, they are really... Um, th there's many different levels of English society, and that showed you quite clearly that, um, you know, uh, I'm reading on, from taking the knee to show support for Black Lives Matter to booing a representative of the establishment, one that is so utterly out of touch with the cost-of-living crisis that it saw fit to send Queen Elizabeth's jewel-encrusted crown in its own car to the opening of Parliament last week at a time when two million people in the same country can't afford to eat every day. Football has always been political. OK, I don't think we can argue with this, you know. I think you've got to say, uh, yes, it has always been political. The only thing is, everybody is becoming more and more politicised because of the fact that this blessed internet is so manipulative and trying to make us all do things and say things. I listened, listen, I came into my house yesterday and I shouted across to Anne. The music was really dreary. It's like a funeral parlour in here today. As I said that, my phone immediately produced three adverts for funeral parlours. And then I read this morning in another newspaper advert that there are apps that are already now, um, unfortunately, uh, containing embedded um, programs that are there to steal your information. Now, the trouble is, things that should be light-hearted are no longer light-hearted. That is very dangerous because they can get into your bank account. They can get into all sorts of things that you regard as maybe private. More than anything else, it's the fact that it's an invasion of privacy and the artificial intelligence is far too advanced at the moment. Try and write a text message and it keeps putting in. Like, for example, when you're having a, uh, a conversation with somebody who won't listen. Very, very interesting, isn't it? Oh, it is, Vince. And those uh, currencies where you, you mentioned just now about you happening to mention something about a funeral and then all of a sudden, um, a few minutes later, having lots of adverts for funeral parlours on your uh, telephone um, is quite common, I think. Um, well, I've experienced it. I had an experience just two or three days ago, which wasn't um, about funerals, but I was having a chat with um, a Turkish uh, chap who lives around here and he's telling me about where he came from on the coast of um, Turkey. And... The next day, I got um, adverts for this place in Turkey called, called Ankeller, I think it's called something like that. It was beautiful. But I got adverts on my telephone for a place that I'd never heard of until the day before. And when I saw him next, he'd also got adverts on his telephone, and he's actually from there. Mm. Um, how they knew that we were discussing um, the, the, this place, which it's not particularly famous. I'd never heard of it before. And then all of a sudden, you're getting messages about it, trying to sell your holidays and things. It's... Um, a very much big brother, isn't it? I mean, how do they know what we're talking about when we aren't actually using our phones? They they obviously do. They can pick things up. Well, our podcasts probably go through an artificial... In the, the only thing is, of course, to put it through uh, every single week and every single time we make a podcast is probably time-consuming, but a machine doesn't mind that. Um, now, I've got to come to a very sensitive, very, very difficult uh, conversation with you because this is about... What is news? What is football news? What is manipulative news? And what is relevant to what we all really have in our lives? We've got to start thinking about who we are at times and what we do believe in and why we like watching football and things like this. And when Jake Daniels, a 17-year-old, don't think we're talking about a 17-year-old you don't know what you were going to do at 17. I don't know, and I didn't know what I was going to do at 17, you know. Um, but he came out 
from Blackpool FC came out yesterday. So there was an outpouring of support from across global football, warming the hearts of even the most cynical sports fans. There wasn't actually. What it is, is the papers, the media are telling us that's what happened. Uh, He was a young lad who wanted to share his truth and live authentically, coming out as gay at the very start of his career in front of a global audience. Now, you see, the thing is, the danger is, fully supported by his club, the EFL, Premier League, FIFA, etc., and the uh, local politicians, national politicians, and Blackpool FC fans. What they're telling us is it is now you have to um, accept gay, whatever you want to call it, or whatever they want to do. Um, Basically... If you're going to try and back somebody into a corner and make them have your morals, you're going to make us question our morals. You're going to make us think about what we really believe in. When I was talking this through with somebody yesterday, um, we both made the, the comment, how do people ever collectively come out with a statement like, I hate gay people or I hate black people? Nobody should hate in a general sense, that sort of, you know, sweeping statement about people who aren't the same as ourselves. I am heterosexual. Whatever bloody machine is listening in, that's the message from me. I'm heterosexual. I didn't particularly want to take any stance and take a position away from anybody who isn't uh, heterosexual, but now you're questioning my belief system. I'm here to discuss football. Keep out of my own personal life. My advice to this young guy is, quite frankly, keep your personal life to yourself. Have something private. Have a bit of decency. Have a bit of class. Keep certain things away from what prying eyes want to make their business. What do you think, Rob? Well, um, what I'm not sure about is actually why he came out um, and mentioned that he was homosexual publicly at the age of 17. He might, people might have sort of suspected it, or he might have been getting some sort of bullying or something like that because people suspected it. And I think he just thought he might as well tell everybody that that's what he was. Um, makes no difference to me if that's that's his sexual orientation. Um, if he's a footballer, then he gets on and plays football. I don't really care what his sexual orientation is. Um, same with other people. Um, somebody who came out very strongly in favour of what he said was uh, Matt Lewis, the uh, Matt Lucas, sorry, the uh, comedian, because he is um, the head of what they call the Gay Gooners, which um, from the LGBT community, I think they call themselves, um, but who support um, Arsenal, and he's the sort of um, the leader of this group, and. It, obviously, there are certain factions in society which think that these things should be put um, right in the spotlight, don't they? And there are other people who think that it should be kept in the background. Um, for me, from a personal point of view, um, I'm not sure exactly why he did it, but he's done it now. And it will be interesting to see how many other footballers or how many other people in the world of sport actually um, come out and say the same thing because there's got, there's got to be lots of... Um, people of that community playing sport, hasn't there? Like there is in all walks of life. I mean, there's going to be a certain percentage. Yeah, but we don't now, get we don't get the football the, the the headlines don't come out and say, uh, today we were conduct, conducting a poll and out of one thousand footballers, only two or three uh, said they were gay. They don't do that. This is some group of people who for some reason the gay community want to increase their numbers. Now, you can, we'll, we can have a very, very moral argument or maybe an immoral argument about whether that's true or not true. However, it does seem to be that more and more we get the TV so- soap operas, the news bulletin, everything has to come up as gay as you possibly can make it. It didn't used to be like this. And when you think about certain things, we'll put this in the football context. 
I would not particularly feel or have felt comfortable knowing that the minute you strip off in your changing room, you've got somebody who might be thinking differently to the rest of the team. I don't particularly like that. I like the fact that I... I tend to be very private over certain things. And, for example, uh, if you go to the doctors, you don't want really the doctor to be poking around your, your private parts. You don't really want the doctor to be even looking at your private parts. So, you know, to go to a football scenario and know that certain people have different agendas is def definitely not my cup of tea, as they say in the trade. Uh, Rob, um, look, you've been in changing rooms. I have. We've all been around f groups of players of football or rugby. We've been in the bath. The soap's been dropped. All the banter, the hands and, you know, people trying to touch you up out of a funny way of doing things. Now it is now past that. Now we're being... What, 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 it, what it used to be in my day, I don't know about dropping the soap rinse, but they used to get a wet towel and sort of spin it round so it, and try and whack you, on the, uh, whack you on the privates with a wet towel. And it hurt <laughs> if they got you, didn't it? Let's face it. But that was that was just playing around, wasn't it? That's just part of um, well, part it was, and of a changing room, It was it? never in the news like this, you see. This is, this is my beef. We're talking football and now we've got the national news about a footballer. Does it matter? I mean, for example, you look at athletics, um, you can take any of the famous names, you could ask the question, is X, Y or Z a particular, you know, is it, is it gay or not gay? I don't know. We don't care. We just want them to run and represent the country. We want them to play football and represent the, the club. We want them to get on and just do what that is supposed to be about. Football is now uh, becoming more and more politicised every twist and turn. You look at the football now. Uh, I was talking to Neil yesterday. He was looking at the game before the uh, cup final. Sure, the women's uh, football was playing a final as well at the weekend. But as he said to me, he said it was more like loose women. You, you've got this silly chat rather than actually getting down to talk in football. And it's more like gossip clubs now rather than talking about the football that we would like to to look and watch and enjoy. And my podcast, uh, oh, I beg your pardon, Rob, our podcast really is about looking at people trying to manipulate what we enjoy, what other millions of people enjoy. And this, to me, is now uh, impinging on our freedom. That's how I feel about it. I don't wish any yeah. harm to any gay people whatsoever, but please, the same as you're trying to stop any uh, maybe chanting, which isn't very nice, don't go on about this far too much, because quite frankly, I think I'm not the only one that's fed up with it. No, it, it must it must have taken quite a lot of um, courage for the young lad to actually come out and say that, um, especially only 17. But um, you will remember, some of the uh, older listeners will remember as well, um, some of the younger listeners might not, but um, Justin Fashionew, when he um, came out as gay in about 1990, um, and we're in a completely different world now, aren't we? we? Then it was classed as completely scandalous, and everywhere he went after that when he was playing, and when he was off the pitch as well, um, he used to get called out about it, and they used to be allowed racial chants in those days as well. So he used to get um, double the, uh, the chanting against him, if you like, because he was a black man who came out as gay. And the world seems to have changed, I would say, for the better in that sense, because, um, as you know, Vince, Justin Fashionu didn't come to a happy end. He ended up um, being basically bullied throughout the rest of his life. And when he finished playing, it just got even worse. And he ended up hanging himself in a lockup in London when he was the age of 38. And so now the way that this young lad, Jake Daniels, is being um, sort of treated, at least in the media and things like that, um, it's it's a lot more lenient, shall we say? They really did lay into Justin Fashionu, and basically, at the, at, at the end of the day, the uh, constant hounding of him by the press. Somebody made um, some uh, young lad made a, a, an untrue um, accusation about him, 
And because he was having to go through um, things like police investigations and things like that, he just couldn't cope anymore and hung himself, unfortunately. So uh, we'll, ju we'll just have to wait and see what happens about this, Vince. But per personally, it doesn't really offend me. Um, but I can understand that there, w there will be a lot of people who are a lot more offended than you. I mean, because there are sort of so many different um, types of people in society. Right? There will be people who are absolutely disgusted by this. But also, there are other people who are like him who will be very pleased that he's actually come out and said it. Well, uh, for me personally, it, well, um, it's, it's an interesting development, really, but I don't have anything either Rob, what, in favour or against. What, what you'll hear is, in the future, you'll hear that fella from Black, Blackpool Football Club. Oh, that fella, um, what was his name? Can't remember. Uh, what was the club? He, it wasn't that important. Um, it, of course, it's important to that particular person, but it's how you live your life. You know, I'm not going to have to die his death. I have to die my own death. You have to do the same. I mean, basically, so therefore we have to live our own life what we think is the best way of living it. And yeah, I was... Well, let's, hope, let's hope he makes it as a professional football because he's only 17 and he's playing at Blackpool. So um, there's nothing guaranteed that he's going to continue as a professional footballer. And if he ends up working down the local factory... Um, somewhere in the Blackpool area. He's going to come in for a lot of stick there, isn't he? Um, so well, uh, we'll just have to wish him the best, I suppose. Apparently he's quite a good footballer. I saw a, a clip or two of um, him scoring some goals. You know, but he, he, scored, he scored. He said, I saw an interview with him, actually, and he speaks very well for a young man of uh, 17. And he said that he mentioned it to his mum and his sister um, because he kept it quiet until then. He mentioned it to his mum and his sister before he mentioned it to the club and to the rest of the world. And in the following match, he scored four goals. I think it was against Plymouth Argyle, but he scored four goals in the following match because he felt so sort of relieved that he'd actually got it off his chest and told his family what he was like. Mm. Um, so, yeah, it's probably just for him so that he, he feels that he can just get on with his game rather than having to hide this. Um, which, again, I don't think he should particularly have to hide it. But, again, he shouldn't really have to publicise it either, should he? he just, it should just be part and parcel of his life, and we don't really need to know. No. Well, exactly. That's exactly encapsulate everything that I feel. We don't need to know. I personally don't want to know. All as I want to know about somebody is if they're a nice person or not a nice person. Then I either make it my business to pursue um, maybe conversations or whatever, or keep clear. I don't want to hate anybody. I don't want to certainly hear anybody around me castigating somebody because they're A, B or C. Let's just get on with life. Rob, I'm going to play your jingle. It's time for your La Liga. So I know that you'll furiously shuffle your papers because I'm going off script for a second. Here we go. La Liga Roundup with Rob Daniels. OK, Rob, what's been happening? Right, well, Vince, as, uh, as you know, uh, Real Madrid actually won La Liga uh, mathematically uh, a couple of weeks ago now. And there's only one match left, or along 37 matches. Barcelona are going to be in second position without a doubt because um, Atletico Madrid can't catch them. Atletico Madrid are going to be in fourth because Sevilla can't... Uh, no, Sevilla could catch them, but they've got um, worse goal difference. So third place, it looks like Atletico Madrid. Fourth place, it looks like it's going to be Sevilla. Um, so there are the Champions League places. Then we've got Real Betis and Real Sociedad, which is the team that I follow, um, in the Europa League places. And Villarreal in that uh, Europa Conference League position. Now, um, I've been reading about this in the uh, UK press as well. Team, um, teams don't particularly want to have to go to that uh, Europa League Conference division because it's extra fixtures for them and there's basically no sort of prestige. So I think um, the other club that's in the running for that is Athletic Club Bilbao. And I think if Villarreal could probably throw their game at the weekend, they probably will. However, it might not be that easy. Um, down at the bottom end, we've got two now that are definitely relegated. It uh, took up until the, the last match that we played until there were teams that were definitely relegated. We've got Alaves and Levante going down. And in the third place, we've got Cadiz, but it could be Cadiz, Mallorca or Granada a very outside chance, Elche. Um, so in the last match, there are three teams that could possibly fill that third uh, relegation position. Coming up for next season, we've got Almeria 
um, who I think are definitely up. And then the second automatic um, promotion position is still all to play for, as are the playoffs. And they've only got a couple of matches left. So within a couple of weeks, we'll be able to say who's going to be uh, returning to the uh, La Liga as well. OK, now look, um, just because basically I'm rearranging things as we talk, I think we've got to talk about the cup final, which, of course, last weekend took place. Um, we had Liverpool playing Chelsea. They'd had a couple of draws very, very close games. We knew the likelihood would be a penalty shootout after extra time because that's how the Carabao Cup turned out. Um, first of all, did you take anything from the game itself and into the extra time? And then what did you think of the penalty shootout? Because there were a couple of things that were quite interesting in that. Uh, but anyway, um, what did you think of the game itself? I actually enjoyed it, Vince, for a nil-nil draw. Um, I thought it was an entertaining match because it, it looked, one of them could have scored at any time, really, couldn't they? But um, it was a, a lot of tactics. It seemed like they were both playing very cagey, didn't they? It seemed more or less like they were both expecting to go to extra time and to penalties. And nobody um, nobody was surprised around here because that's, I think, all of the, all of the commentators that I... Um, Listen to in English, we're all expecting it to do that. We were expecting it to go to extra time and penalties. And so were most of the uh, people who were watching it where I watched it, um, were expecting the same. So it wasn't really a surprise. But the um, penalty shoot I found interesting because Mane was, took the fifth, didn't he, for Liverpool? Yeah. And he, he, he didn't score. And that is very, very unusual because he scored in the African Nation Cup final, didn't he? And also in the um, other game against Egypt, which means that Senegal go to the, Europe, um, the World Cup. And he's quite he's a regular penalty scorer. And I thought that he was going to get his in, but um, he didn't. But in the end, Liverpool won it anyway. Well, look, there's a couple of things. I mean, for a start, Marnie was taking a penalty against his own national goalkeeper. That was, a, that was the interesting thing, wasn't it, Vince? Yeah, they know each other really well. Yeah, Exactly. So if anybody's going to know what he's likely to do, I would think that that's possibly the way to go. I think also uh, the fact that uh, Liverpool lost Salah very early on, um, a friend of mine reckoned he was playing well. I thought he was playing very, very mediocre football. I think Salah's been off form for a while and he needs a fortnight before the... Um, uh, the the Champions League final, so I do, I, I don't have any yeah. query with that. I mean, he's played a long yeah, season. Yeah, Salah didn't Salah didn't even travel to Southampton for the uh, Liverpool match. They, they've given him um, some time off to well to basically yeah get himself well, fit yeah, again for the. Uh, Champions League final, yeah. Liverpool have, but the press haven't because they've been watching him go to a restaurant and they'll be coming up with all sorts of conjecture about whether or not, you know, uh, perhaps that's, there was... That's, uh, how I, that's how I found out, Vince. I saw a picture of him well, coming out of a restaurant. Th 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 there we are. <laughs> um, but, I mean, I could even... Think, well, let's face it, it's Klopp's decision and if he wants to give one of his um, top players time to recuperate for the Champions League final, it isn't really any business of the press, is it? But... Um, well, you, yeah, you, you know, we, they're, 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 you can't, they can't win, can they? These, these people who are uh, high-profile high figures can't win, can they? Well, we've railed against the press, so I'm not going to start again. But, I mean, quite <laughs> frankly, you know, it, it is uh, intrusive, to say the very least. If you look next at uh, Va Virgil van Dijk, he obviously felt that there was some sort of a strain and therefore I think he himself would have identified that, you know, oh, hang on, I might miss the Champions League final. I've got to rest this. And so I was very impressed by the way that uh, Jurgen Klopp put his substitutions in place because that would have been uh, not been premeditated and therefore he's got to think very, very much on his feet. Matip, I thought, uh, was great when he came in. And then again, he changed the back four again against Southampton and brought in Canate, who's been brilliant. I mean, he really has been a, a really, really good player. And I like the fact that when um, everything was all done and dusted and we had the cup, um, apparently Klopp sent messages to Rhys Williams and I think was it Ben Davis, the other guy, the the two centre backs who'd actually played so well for Liverpool when we didn't have a proper back four, and of course Joe Gomez is injured after last night's um, game against Southampton. So yeah, worrying times. And again, uh, if we stay with last night and Southampton, um, a clear foul on Jota. 
an absolutely clear foul um, led to uh, the winger uh, playing for Southampton, scoring a, a really good goal, actually. It didn't take nothing away from the goal. It was a great shot. But, again, it's this question of VAR. And we may as well go straight to the Premier League and look back over what's been happening because VAR has become, uh, again, a tool, a weapon, a weapon. If you look at the game between Tottenham Hotspur and Burnley, now Burnley are, as Bob Marley used to call it, fighting for survival. I mean, basically, everything that you could possibly say uh, that was important to Burnley's cause was encapsulated in um, a wild sort of shot. The defender pulls away and um, the, the ball didn't really touch him at all. You could see quite clearly that he was trying to get out the way and yet the VAR call the referee. You know straight away it's going to be a penalty. You know that they'll be shuffling brown envelopes and somebody will be dealing in a little bit of money somewhere because, quite frankly, if that was a penalty, um, then we might as well all go home and don't bother with referees. It was absolutely disgraceful. And um, it's not the first time. Everton, they're fighting, for example, uh, for their survival. They got two red cards but on reflection and looking at the pictures, they did deserve to lose those players. But isn't it very strange that uh, VAR gets called to a decision for Spurs? Goodness gracious me, am I really that cynical? What do you think? Well, I do agree with you, Vince. It, it, it seemed like a ridiculous decision to uh, give the penalty, didn't it? But... Um... I don't think at this, at this higher level, and especially these days, I think the uh, brown envelope thing, um, I, th I hope it is at least, I think it's in the past as far as referees go. I don't. I, do, I don't at all. I mean, if you... It's, it's, very, it's very well... It's very, it's, well, it's supposed to be. It's very, very well controlled, Vince. They have, um, especially at a top level, they have um, people whose specific task is to watch the referee and, and sort of give the referee marks on what... Uh, on how he played the match. And what are they? Um, they are referees. It's the police policing themselves. And sadly, oh, yeah. I'm afraid the way the world is at the moment, we are so congested with people who basically are not doing what they should be doing, uh, lying, cheating, etc., and prospering from bad things. Um, unfortunately, our morals... You know, when you talk about the rise and fall of the Roman Empire, when you look at these things, this is what we're living through now. And if we don't get our act together soon, then a lot of people will just say, well, mind you, of course, it's the older people who probably will feel this most because we come from a generation where you had words like my phrases like my words, my bond, etc., etc. We used to we used to you, you were supposed not to be lying. If you go to um, many, many parts of uh, everything we talk about, it's a challenge on the Ten Commandments. Whether you want to put religion into the middle of it all, it is definitely a challenge into the way people believe and try to live and try, have tried to live. Sorry, cheating is cheating. When you look at uh, people now, uh, it's got even worse. You, you clearly see people being pulled pulled to the ground, they're running at speed, so that's why they fall over. And then the uh, miscreant turns round and opens his arms to the referee. No, I, me, I haven't done anything. Of course you have. We all saw it. Sorry, I, I think um, that was definitely a very, very dodgy one. I know that you have a vested interest because your team, obviously, uh, Leeds had a very difficult game. You were playing against Brighton. Now, I thought at the time that you'd do very well to uh, not lose that game. I'd put you down for a nil-two. Uh, you thought that you would win the game. Uh, it was 1-1. And I think a draw was probably a fair result. What did you think of that game? Well, I thought that Leeds would have won because it was the final match at home um, in front of the Elland Road crowd. Um, Brighton really did have been playing really well, haven't they? Let's face it, Brighton. But Brighton didn't have anything really to play for. And I thought Leeds would actually go out and um, do better than they did. But at the end of the uh, match, as you say, a draw was probably the fair result. And we were really lucky. We um, Brighton went ahead. So Leeds were a goal down. 
and Leeds didn't get the equaliser until the 92nd minute, two minutes into uh, time added on. So until they got when when they when they got that equaliser, um, the whole crowd there, but also me when I was watching it, um, we sort of cheered as though we'd won the FA Cup because that was the goal basically that could have that could have kept us up. Um, and again, that's all going down to the last match as well, isn't it? Uh, and they're all playing on Sunday at five o'clock. Yeah. Okay, well, if you look at, say, Man City, now, obviously, um, Liverpool were playing in the cup final. Manchester City were able to go to Wolves, who have been difficult to score against, and they managed to win the game 5-1. I mean, they were just thrilling. I thought they'd win about 3-1, but 5-1, I mean, that's a true statement. It's an absolute statement. Then they went mm. to West Ham, and uh, I thought it would be a 2-3. I thought that uh, City would just get that, um, you know, the uh, the extra goal. It was 2-0 at half-time. Then, of course, uh, City came back, played some delightful football, and then a lot of people, not me, would turn around and say, then they were awarded a dodgy penalty. It wasn't dodgy. It was clearly a penalty. What was bigger um, was the failure of um, Mares to score. Um, because, quite frankly, you know, you really thought that would be a sealed-on penalty. But uh, it was a draw, which takes us to the last game of the season. Your comments on Manchester City, please. Yeah, I, I was surprised that Mares didn't get that penalty as well because that, um, I th well, I think that could have actually got City the title, couldn't it, if um, if they hadn't have had that draw against West Ham. Yeah. But uh, it just goes to show that all all of the um, big teams, wherever they play, I mean, West Ham, that was their final match at home this season as well, in front of their home crowd. They wanted to put on a good performance. Um, they might have taken the title off City. I mean, it's still in City's hands. But um, they weren't going to give City an easy run, were they? But the uh, Mares failing to score the penalty was a surprise and it could be a very important mistake. OK, well, if we go down to your area now, which is, of course, uh, down the bottom end of the table, and it's really down to three clubs, isn't it? It's, it's yourself. It's um, got to be uh, one of those things where you've got to put your heart to one side and say, well, you've got Burnley and Everton and yourselves. Now, if you look at Everton, um, I thought they would have beaten Watford and it was nil, nil. Now, they should have won that one. They were at home. This was Watford you're talking about. Uh, then they had um, Brentford, and I thought that would be a difficult game, and I thought it would be 2-2. And they ended up having two players sent off, and it was Everton 2, Brentford 3. Those two players, are gonna, it's going to cost them in the final match, isn't it, that Vince, because they won't be able to play. Well, exactly, but uh, you see... When you look at the traditions, traditions of Everton, very, very old, famous club. Burnley, very old, famous club. Leeds, a very old, famous club. You've got three top clubs and one of those is going to go down. And uh, we both hope it won't be your club because obviously uh, we like the fact that uh, your team has tried to play football. And um, for me, I don't really feel Everton, I would like Everton to go down because obviously they're the second best club on Merseyside. So um, I thought that was Liverpool reserves, Vince. <laughs> no, I, they, well, we don't have the reserves now, do we? It's, uh, it's, it, it doesn't run that way anymore. Um, OK, so uh, well, uh, where's it going? Leeds have got is that Leeds have only got one match and Burnley and Everton have both got two matches. Burnley this evening um, play against Aston Villa away, and hopefully Villa will um, beat Burnley, because that will give us a, a slight advantage. Everton are playing, I think that's a night as well, Everton are playing against Palace, um, which anything could happen there, but if Everton get a result, then it's going to be between Burnley and Leeds, the final match. OK, I've got them down for playing tomorrow because we've got the... Um... Oh, sorry. Yes, it's sorry, Vince. Yeah, Thursday. I've got it. Yeah, but I, I forget we're doing this podcast on a Wednesday, aren't we, this, yeah. this week? And, and, yeah, sorry, yeah. and, of course, we've got this Rangers final for the Europa League, which, of course, is a big deal. I mean, when all's said and done, I remember the first time Liverpool got to the Europa League final and all the Manchester City fans were crowing about you know, how it wasn't properly a trophy and all that. Of course, it 
that's a big trophy. Um, when all said and done, I think in the hierarchy of trophies, probably the Premier League followed by the Champions League and then the Cups. That's the way I see it. Um, but um, you mean there will always be people who think that it's more important to win the the um, Europa League? Sorry, the the Champions League. It isn't. When you look at the Premier League, you've got to play every club in that league home and away. You don't have to do the same in the Champions League. A lot of it's down to the draw. It's still a difficult competition to win. And well done to anybody who gets to the final. That's obviously my club. Um, but you've got to look at the perspective. Um, uh, Premier League is a difficult league. Man City have played beautiful football. If they were to slip up and Liverpool just about sneak it, they, de they deserve to be the club to do it. But I don't take anything away from Man City. They are a spectacular team. And I think also, um, you know, they would end up the, with the season winning nothing if we, if we go that route. So, you know, we'll, we'll leave it at that. Um, OK, so uh, out of your heart of hearts, who is going down? Um, Burnley. Okay, so you think seriously, we, we, we've got seriously, we've got a point advantage. If they don't get a result tonight against, um, oh, sorry, tomorrow night on Thursday night against Villa, who it'll be their last match at home, I think, as well. They're not going to give anything away. This is a catch up, actually. It's um, a catch up match they're playing. Yeah. Um, if Everton get even a draw, I think Everton will be staying up. Um, so it is, I would say it's between Leeds and Burnley. If Burnley don't get a result against Villa, I can seriously, it gives us an advantage. We've got to basically equal their result in the final match or better their result. Or if they better our result, then we could go down. Um, but I seriously think at the moment the most likely candidate is Burnley. OK, well, we can actually go to those predictions then. Uh, so these are the final day predictions. Now, we start with Crystal Palace. They play Man Manchester United. Uh, Crystal Palace is, uh, are continuing to play some nice, attractive football. Manchester United basically are a collection of millionaires who basically don't seem to get on with a each other. As Rangnick was forced to apparently separate two of his stars on the train and ground yesterday, according to the papers. Gossip again. Um, Crystal Palace 2, Manchester United 1 for me. Yeah, I think Palace will probably do this, actually, Vince, as well, because, um, as you say, Man United are in complete disarray. I think they just want to get this season over with, to be honest, but um, and see what they can do meanwhile. However, uh, where Man United are at the moment, they're in the second Europa League place for next season. Um, and the next place down, which is West AM, with two points less, they're in this Europa Conference League position. Um, which uh, West Ham, where are they playing? They're playing away against Brighton, so they've got a difficult one. Right. But Do it is possible that Man U might have to play in this Europa Conference League, which is going to be, it's just going to add an insult to injury for them, isn't okay. it? Okay, give me your prediction. We've only got nine minutes left. Crystal What's Palace, that? Manchester uh, United. Uh, two, one, Vince. Okay. Um, right, now, Arsenal host Everton. And... Arsenal have had a big disappointment with Newcastle defeating them and obviously they don't want to slip up on a top four place. Everton, um, once again, fighting for survival. Uh, oh, it's going to be a difficult game, this. 2-2 two -two for me. I've got it down as a 2-0 actually to Arsenal and that isn't because I particularly want Everton to lose. It's just that Arsenal, if they, they can still get ahead of um, Spurs just... And they, they've played really badly the last couple of matches, haven't they? So I think the final match at home, they're going to have to put on a show. OK, Chelsea. Um, probably a bit despondent after the cup finals. Both of them uh, lost on penalties. They've had a terrible, terrible political season to contend with. My heart does go out uh, to the people who are true football supporters who've had to sit through everything that they've Witness does Chelsea have a chance to put things to bed against Watford? Um, I'm going for a big win here. Chelsea four, Watford one. Right, I've gone for three 0 in favour of Chelsea, Vince. But um, yeah, I think uh, Chelsea have got their Champions League place already sorted. I think, but uh, and Watford are down. Um, but yeah, Chelsea played at home. They have got some big scores in this season as well, so I can be I can see it being three 0 OK, and uh, now Leicester play Southampton. And after watching Leicester, they can really come alight 
this is their last chance to have a, a decent score at home. Southampton didn't show much against Liverpool, even though they weren't bad. They didn't really, uh, they didn't look that menacing. So I'm going to go Leicester three, Southampton one. I say Zelle Wife got Vince three one. Yeah, uh, and I agree with exactly what you said there. So uh, let's go. Let's move on. Yeah. Okay. Now Brentford host Leeds. I hope I'm wrong, Rob. What I'm saying is from my football, looking at the games, my heart tells me I want Leeds to win. My head tells me Brentford will win 2-1. Right. I'm going to put it down as a 2-all draw, Vince. Um, I think one point, depending on Burnley result, obviously, um, tomorrow night, I think one point might be enough for us, but Brentford have been the relevation of the season, haven't they? I mean, there have been a couple of clubs that have had really good seasons this season. But Brentford, first season up, and they're up there mid-table, no worries at all, playing against their home in front of their home crowd. They're going to be going for it as well. So, yeah, I've got it down to two all. OK, Burnley, Newcastle. Now then, Newcastle are resurgent. Burnley are desperate. 2-2 two -two for me. I think Newcastle could do this, actually, Vince. Newcastle is the other team I was thinking about, actually. They've had, um, they had a really, really bad start to the season, but the second half of the season, they've been excellent, haven't they? Yeah. And they have had some really, really good matches recently. I, th I think that uh, they'll do this one, too. OK. Um, Manchester City, champions-elect. They host Aston Villa. Aston Villa, who apparently... Somebody whispered in my ear they might make a lot of money if Man City actually win this game. Woo, that changes things. Follow the money. I was following my heart. I was hoping Steven Gerrard might just um, motivate his team. I'm going to follow the money. I'm going to say Manchester City 2, Aston Villa 0, possibly with a VAR thrown in for good measure. Or a penalty or something like that, yeah. Um, yeah, you're right, Vince. I think I mentioned at the beginning of this podcast that if um, Man City win um, the Premier League, Aston Villa get £15 million as part of the deal with Jack Grealish going to Man City. Um, I don't think Steven Gerrard is going to be persuaded by anybody. I think he's he's, um, he's too honourable, I think, to be um, persuaded to throw a match. Uh, but I don't think Man City are going to lose it either. I think City will do it 2-1 as well. OK, don't be surprised if Steven Gerrard has a mystery COVID uh, illness coming up the couple of hours before the game as Norwich <laughs> face Tottenham. <laughs> they'll, tie, they'll, tie, they'll tie him up or something mm. in the dressing room. Norwich are playing Spurs. Uh, Spurs, when they can go on the rampage, look good. I'm going to put down Norwich nil, Spurs four. Yes, I think Nor Norwich... It's the, it's the last game in front of the home crowd, but they're used to going up and down, aren't they? So um, I can't see them really doing anything. I've got it down as a nil too. OK. Uh, now we have Brighton-West Ham. Brighton are a pretty good team, actually. I do like Brighton. West Ham, I've got something to battle for. I could see Brighton 1, West Ham 2. Right. Um, yeah, West Ham, I think, still have. Haven't they? Yeah, they, they, if they win, um, they've they definitely got that um, Europa Conference League place because the next team down is Wolves who can't catch them. But if they win and Man, City, Man United don't, then it means that West Ham go to the Europa League and Man United are going to have to do this conference thing. So I think they're going to go for it. I can see it being 1-2 to West Ham. OK, and the last of our games... Uh, Liverpool, who are within spitting distance of keeping the dream of the quadruple alive, they have to win. doesn't matter what happens. Uh, they have to win. I think um, whether they got a draw, it would still only leave them as second. So they've got to win. There's no two ways about it. So knowing that and knowing the resolve of the team and knowing the way people come into the squad and steal themselves... Um, I don't think, no matter how many brown envelopes are waved, I think it'll be Liverpool 2, uh, Wolves 1. Yes, I think that's a realistic result as well, Vince. I don't think Liverpool will, will blow it. But um, I was reading, actually, yesterday, that if um, Man City get beaten against Villa 0-6 and um, Liverpool beat Wolves by something like 5-0... 
Oh, no, they've got to get a draw, I think. They've got, yeah, uh, Man City get beaten, Liverpool get a draw. But it's got to be a high-scoring draw. Um, they'll end up having to play a playoff between uh, Liverpool and Man City, but I can't see that happening. Can you? Well, I don't. Um, I, I think they're both going to. I think they're both going to win their final matches, and that the title will go to City. I remember going to my son's house. Andrew and I were watching Liverpool playing at Aston Villa. We couldn't believe it. Aston Villa seven, seven. Liverpool two. I couldn't believe what I was seeing. I don't think it's going to happen to Manchester City. I really don't. Manchester City are a very special team. You've got 30 seconds to say goodbye. Right, Vince. Well, um, we briefly mentioned the um, Europa League final this evening. That's Eintracht Frank- Frankfurt against uh, Rangers of Glasgow. It's at nine o'clock tonight, and they're actually playing the match at uh, the Pisquant or the um, Sanchez Pisquant ground, which is Sevilla's home ground. So it should be an interesting match, not as prestigious as the uh, Champions League, but uh, it's still a, it's still a cup involved. So it should be a good one. Rob, thank you very much indeed. Once again, a very enjoyable conversation. We've been talking football. Thank you, Rob. My pleasure, Vince.